Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Oh, praise God, praise God. You have your Bibles turned to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Today, I want to talk to you about the gifts of the Spirit. Somebody say gifts. If you were here last week, we unpacked the fruit of the Spirit. And oh, if you missed it, please go back and listen to that message. That is foundational. I didn't feel like we could talk about the gifts of the Spirit until we first emphasized the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, last week we said that gifts apart from fruit are dangerous. We said that fruit is foundational, that if we pursue the fruit of the Spirit, God will take care of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, my goal in today's message, and I want to be very clear because I think this is going to be a practical message today. This is going to help us. But my goal in today's message is that you would grow in your understanding, that you would stretch in your personal experience, and you would see the supernatural in your life. Okay, you need to write that down. I want you to grow in your understanding of the gifts. I want you to stretch in your personal experience and how to use those gifts. And I believe that if you grow in your understanding and you stretch in your personal experience, you're going to see the supernatural unfold right before your eyes. Does that get anybody else fired up? I'm so glad we don't serve a dead, boring religion. I'm not here out of tradition. I'm here because Jesus is alive and the Spirit of God is moving on the earth today and the church is part of God's chosen remnant that he wants to use in the earth to make a difference. And so God would give us gifts of the Spirit to do just that. Now, I want to be quick to say this. There's much confusion and sometimes there's lack of understanding when it comes to this topic. Uh, And in my experience, I've seen the pendulum swing over the years, okay? I I grew up in a real charismatic environment. In fact, the word spiritual gifts, the Greek word is charismata, which is where we get the word charisma or charismatic. How many of you, you came from a full gospel church where the gifts were just, I mean, every week you saw it, okay, a few people. How many of you, this is totally new information, and you're like, hmm, I want to figure out what this thing is about. You see, we called it charismania because sometimes people get really excited. How many know people are weird, but the Holy Spirit's not? Okay, that's the truth. We said that weeks ago. People act weird and they do strange things, but you know what? The Holy Spirit is not weird and he's not strange. Now, he may do things that you don't always understand, but... The Spirit of God within the life of the church is, I believe, one of the most powerful forces on the planet. Now, the, the pendulum has swung over the years, at least in my experience, because we've, we've seen the gifts of the Spirit either abused or misused. Somebody not acting right, somebody not handling themselves right, somebody, you know, oh, I got a word. I got a word of the Lord. I got a word. How many know you got to be cautious of people who always have a word? Oh, I got a word. The Lord said. Come on, somebody play. When they play the God card, God told me. Oh, really? (laughs) And I'm very cautious of those who always have a word. You know what? You don't have to chase a man to get a word for your life. You know why? 
Jesus said, I've given you my word. You don't have to chase a word. You have the word. Come on, clap your hands if you believe that. And maybe because of abuse or misuse, we've kind of gotten away from spiritual gifts and we don't hear a lot of teaching about it currently. And I think when we don't instruct the body of Christ on the gifts of the Spirit, we do a great disservice to the church. I think the devil is behind confusion and abuse and misuse. You know why? Because he knows the power of God that's released in the local church whenever we understand and embrace our spiritual gifts. In fact, one pastor I heard say recently that this man came up and said, I got a word. He said, Pastor, I got a word for you in the church. And he kind of rattled some things off. The pastor was like, whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. Whoa, slow her down. He said, do you attend this church? The guy said, well, sometimes. He said, do you tithe to this house? He said, no. The pastor said, well, why would God give you a word for a place that you're not even invested in? You don't even support this local church. Why would God give you a word for it? I'm going to tell you what. God's word is spelled out and it's clear. And if somebody says, well, I got the gift of prophecy and I'm going to prophesy, you better take the words that are spoken and line it up with this word right here. And so because of the abuse and misuse, we've gotten away from teaching. I want to tell you what, how many of you, maybe you have received either word of knowledge, some sort of revelation, a word of wisdom, or a prophetic word, and you know it was from the Lord. I'm telling you, there, there are the, the, the gifts of the Spirit in giving a word to the church through pastors and leaders that care for the body. That's very much alive. And I'll talk about this next week. Don't miss next week because this topic on spiritual gifts is so, it's so large, it's going to take me two weeks to unpack it. Don't miss next Sunday. I'll talk to you about some of these things as far as prophecy and word of knowledge. But I have had personal experience where God has used individuals who knew nothing about me. And yet they read my mail up one side and down the other. And I knew that I knew that I knew that had to be God. You see, the gifts are very much for the church. Now, there are some doctrines that are currently floating around out there that says the gifts died when the last apostle died. You know, when you read the book of Acts and you see all the mighty works that took place through the apostles and in the local church, and the, 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 the thought is that when the disciples, when the last apostle died, then the gifts stopped. Well, let me ask you this. Are they gifts of the apostles or are they gifts of the Spirit? Now, the apostles may die, but the Spirit is still alive. Can I have a good amen? And if the Spirit is alive, then the gifts that the body needs are very much available to the church. And I pray that Healing Place Church would be an environment where we surrender to who the Holy Spirit is, we embrace what it is that he does, and those gifts that he gives will be used to bring strength to you. Now, now let me ask you this question. What would the world look like if every believer, if every Christian fully operated in his or her gifts? What would this church look like if, I mean, there are thousands of people that attend this church. Any given week, you have over 10,000 people that attend. And there are probably much more than that that feel that Healing Place is a part of their family, but they're inconsistent in coming and going. What if every single 
person in this church embraced their spiritual gifts and committed to operate fully in what God had given them, what do you think that would mean for this city? What do you think that would mean for your marriage if you embraced your gifts and walked in the fullness of it? What would that mean for your children, for your family? Let me ask you this. What would your workplace look like if you went Monday morning to that office, but you didn't just show up to do a job? You realized, hey, I am here on assignment. I know what gifts God has given me. I've surrendered those gifts to the Lord. Now, God, use me to do something in this workplace. What would our schools look like? What would this community look like if we embraced our God-given gifts? Now, the scripture I want to read to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verse 7. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. This single verse is packed with a lot of meaning. I want you to read along with me. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Everybody say each of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Okay, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church, and he gives a single sentence. Now, I'm going to read some more after this, but this verse is just chock full. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Why? So that we can... Help each other. Here's what you need to know. First of all, you need to know this. Everyone has a gift. Everyone does. Gifts are not just reserved for the preacher, for the evangelist, for the missionary, for the super spiritual. You don't have to be brother Bible man or sister super Christian to have a gift. Come on now. See, sometimes we kind of idolize or we, we, we catalog men and women at a whole nother level because, well, gifts are for that person that's on TV or for that man who can stand on a stage or for the one who knows how to sing in front of thousands. And, but that's not really for me. The Bible says every single one of us have a gift. You have a gift. There is something that God has put inside of you. It's almost as if he took it from himself and said, when I make you, I'm going to put this part of me inside of you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it humbling to think that God would create us with such purpose and such care that he would put us on this planet and then take a piece of himself and deposit that in us? Turn your neighbor and say, you have a gift. There's something inside of you placed there by God himself. Now, notice the second part of this is is this. Why does God give you a gift? Why do you have that thing inside of you, whatever that is? It's for the purpose of helping others. Your gift is not to draw attention to yourself. Come on now. It's not about becoming a church celebrity or what we say, celebrity. You're not supposed to be some rock star in the the church setting, drawing attention to yourself. God will give you a gift for the purpose of helping others. Now watch this. For helping others be like Jesus. How many of you need help to be like Jesus? How many of you know a few people that need a whole lot of help being like Jesus? Now don't point at anybody in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The person who thinks they don't need help to be like Jesus, he needs more help than he thinks. 
Now, now think about it. There, there are all different kinds of gifts, and we're going to read a portion of them in just a few moments. But even this morning, as we worship God, and I looked up on this stage, and I saw this worship team. How many know there are gifted and talented people that lead us into worship every Sunday? We are blessed. Oh, man, we are blessed. And I, and I look at some of these men and women, I think, wow, God, you would place a gift like that in them to help me be like you. Listen, and I want you to hear this. I need the gift in you to help me be like Jesus. And if you're not walking and operating in that spiritual gift, not only does that limit you, but it doesn't help me. I mean, I listen to Doug sing, man. I love, that boy, he, he's got that silky smooth, just a silky smooth voice. And when he move, messes with that earpiece, starts singing, takes that earpiece out. Come on, we love Doug, man. Doug is a man. Or Al Seed. Come on, brother. Al Seed, bring it to a whole nother level. When Al Seed's singing, man, I'm thinking, oh. Oh, man. That brother's got a gift. You know, those men and women that sing, you know what? They shape our personal experience and relationship with the Lord. If they didn't use their gift, my relationship with God would look a little different. My wife, I believe she has the gift of faith. The Bible talks about that. Not just a faith to say yes to Jesus, but a faith for the supernatural. This girl, she believes that God heals, that God delivers, that God sets free. When she prays for people, sometimes she'll be praying. You know, we'll get a prayer request. Hey, pray for so-and-so. They're in the hospital. She'll say, let's pray right now. I'll be like, okay, I'm kind of eating my Chick-fil-A. And <laughs> let's just pray. Stop, stop with the waffle fries. Let's pray. So... We pray, and man, she get after it. Sometimes her prayer convicts me. I'm like, wow. Man, hey, baby, at my funeral, when you see me in that coffin, don't cry for me. You lay your hands on me, and I'm going to come up out. <laughs> I mean, she really does. And I'm not just saying that. Say she has the gift of faith, and that gift, it shapes who I am. Now, I think about David Ray. He's one of my favorite preachers on the planet. That boy, when he gets up here to preach, I could listen. I call him all day David Ray because I could listen to him all day. I mean, I really could. He's one of my all-time favorites. He can preach the pain off the walls. Listen, God's given him a gift. How many know his gift is building the life of Christ inside of you? When you open up your heart to it and receive it. There's some people on our staff. Earl Rince is another one. He's got a discerning spirit. He's just got wisdom. And I ask him questions and I bounce things off of him. The gift inside of him helps me to be like Jesus. Listen, I need what's inside of you to help me be like him. Everybody has a spiritual gift. The devil wants you to think that God only uses special people. Can I tell you this? God uses ordinary people. God uses people. God uses inadequate people. He uses insufficient people. He, used, he uses people with problems. He uses foolish people. Come on now. Doesn't the scripture say he'll, he'll use, the, use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? God will just use anybody who makes themselves available. Sometimes when it comes to spiritual gifts, we're just thinking about, well, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. And we're hung up on everything we don't have. And so we miss what we do have 
because God's placed it in us to use it. If you're thinking about the gifts you don't have, you'll never make good use of the gifts that you do have. Now, here's the second thing. A lot of times we we feel inadequate when we talk about spiritual gifts. The second thing is we compare. This is a dangerous topic to really explore because when you talk about spiritual gifts, and I know that I, I named a few people who have a musical gift or a talent or an ability, sometimes we'll take our gift and we'll compare it up to somebody else's. That's a dangerous thing because when, when you're jealous of what somebody else has, when you're jealous of somebody else's gift, you won't be released to walk in your gift. All right? And here's the other thing. When I'm jealous of what's inside of you, I can't receive what God wants to give me through you. Are you with me? If we're, always, if we're jealous of somebody else's gift, well, I want that gift. Well, wait a second. You don't decide what gift you have. God does. But if you'll just surrender to your gift, and if you'll appreciate somebody else's gift, then what God wants to give you through them, you're in position to receive. Come on, can I have a good amen? Turn your neighbor and say, that's good preaching right there. Now listen, you won't have everything, but you do have something, and together we have all things. Can I say that again? Because I'm going to read you a list of gifts. Now, we won't have all the gifts. You better be bearing all the fruit. Listen, fruit's way more important. Love, joy, peace, patience. You better have all the fruit. You're not going to have all the gifts. You may have one. You may have three or four or five. But you're not going to have all the gifts. You won't have everything, but you do have something. Now, collectively as a church, God will put gifts in the body, different gifts. But together, we have all things. Your gift from God is to edify the church and to confirm the gospel message to the world. Your gift is not just for you. It's for others, and it's to confirm that the gospel works. Now, if you're taking notes, there are two things that I want you to write down. Uh, Number one, God wants you to know your gifts. God wants you to know what those gifts are. I would hate to think that God would deposit something in you and you struggled your whole life to discover what that thing was. Some people, they have a hard time embracing purpose. Why am I here? God, what are you doing? Because they've never taken time to identify what their spiritual gifts are. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to start with verse 8. I want to read you three verses, and this is going to give you a list of spiritual gifts that are available to the church. Now, this list is not complete, okay? This is only nine. There are other passages that I encourage you to read on your own that that give other gifts. I I don't have time to read all of them. That's why we got to do this teaching in, in two parts. But but in Ephesians 4, in 1 Peter 4, and in Romans 12, it'll give you a collection of all the different gifts that are available to the body. Some people have the gift of giving. Some people have the gift of administration. Some people have the gift of encouragement. It was funny because a guy said the other day, he said, my wife has the gift of encouragement. I have the gift of discernment. He said, when you're around her, you feel encouraged. When you're around me, I'll tell you everything that's wrong with you. I'm like, listen, that ain't a gift. Keep that gift to yourself. (laughs) There are gifts of leadership. There are administrative gifts. There are gifts of exhortation. There are gifts of teaching. All different kinds of gifts that we see throughout the Scripture. But in 1 Corinthians 12, here here are nine gifts 
that, that Paul identifies. Verse 8, look at what it says. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Or in other words, a, a word of wisdom. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Or one translation says a word of knowledge. Verse 9, the same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. So now we've got four gifts right now that we've seen. Wise advice, special knowledge, great faith, and healing. Verse 10, he gives one person the power to perform miracles. That's another gift. And to another, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Or one translation says that the, the, the gift is called the discerning of spirits. And still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages or to speak in tongues, while another is given the ability to interpret what's being said. Did you see those nine gifts that were identified? Now, again, that's an incomplete list. There are other parts of the Bible that talk about other kinds of gifts, but Paul identifies nine in these two verses. Now, look at what it says in verse 11. He said, it's the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Can I have a good amen? Okay, so I want you to be informed today, and I, I, I apologize if this feels a little academic, but I think it's important that you have good information And so you can begin to discern how God has wired you, what he's put in you, and how you can embrace those gifts to make a difference in the world around you. Now, I want to put a graphic on the screen and show you one way to help you discover, because this is a process of discovery. God wants you to know your gifts. He puts you on this planet for, for a purpose, for a reason, for a season, and he's put things inside of you that the world around you needs, that this church needs. Uh, that, that your home and your family, your community needs. And so th- there's a graphic here that I want to talk you through. One way to help you discover how you're wired and what your lean or what your bent is as it relates to spiritual gifts. And the first one, you see these three c- circles and how they overlap. And in the, the, the intersection of those circles, I think, is the sweet spot. That's where you really hone in and you discern, okay, this is how I'm wired. And the first is affinity, affinity. That top circle, affinity. That word literally means there's a desire in you. You're drawn to something. You like something. You know, uh, we, we talked about Ty earlier in the service, and we saw his artwork. He has an affinity, a desire for something artistic. And so God's put an artistic gift in him through painting and through drawing. There's a a desire. Some of you do things, and when you do those things, man, you just feel fully alive. I think that desire is placed in there by God himself. There's a reason why God would motivate you around certain things. Some people are wired differently, and so, you know, they're drawn to different things. Maybe it's in a leadership context, or maybe it's an administrative context, or, you know, it's a music. You're drawn to something, affinity. It's, It's what you like. But then there's another circle called ability. Everybody say ability. Now, sometimes we're, we're drawn to certain things. We have an affinity, but we're not necessarily given the ability to do the things we like. Um, for me, I'll say I am drawn to this choir and to singing. I have an affinity. Uh, when Alcide sings, I feel like I can sing just as good. I have an affinity, but I struggle with the ability when he's belting out, Mary, did you know? I'm like, man, 
I can do that too. And my kids are like, Dad, no. Affinity, but not necessarily ability. You're drawn to certain things, and God may give you a skill to do the things that you like. Now, there's some crossover there. When you have affinity and ability, it's complete when you have the God-given opportunity. Because some of you, God's put a desire in you, and he's given you an ability to do certain things, but he hasn't opened the door for you to walk in those things yet. When affinity, ability, and opportunity come together, that's the sweet spot of ministry. And I believe this. Every member here is a minister. You have a ministry. You have a platform. You've got a circle of influence, a combination of people that God has placed in your life. You can minister to people better in ways that I never could. God's placed this, this combination. Now, there was a season in my life, and I remember my freshman year in college, when I was playing ball, the coach got together some athletes, and he said, hey, there's been a desire. Some people want to do this this, uh, fellowship of Christian athletes, this Bible study, and and we need some leadership. And so, you know, we're going to need some help. And they said, Mike, would you be a part of this, this Bible study for college athletes? I was like, yeah. I love the Lord. I play ball. Count me in. Well, we need somebody to be the president. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. There was no affinity. I had no desire to lead that. Well, we're going to take a vote. How many say, let's just nominate Mike as a president. Who votes for him? Everybody voted. Boom. Here I was the president. Great. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means on Tuesday you got to lead a Bible study. Oh, for real? Oh, man. Well, uh, okay. Let me, tr- let me take a stab at it. So on Tuesday morning, all the athletes showed up. Some of the baseball players showed up, basketball team. They get together. I share a little thought. People are like, oh, that was, that was pretty okay. Have you ever done this before? No, I don't want to do that. You nominated me. I'm going to do my best. They recognized something in me that I didn't even see in myself. You see, I had ability and opportunity, but I didn't have the affinity until God began to work on my heart. He said, listen, I hadn't called you to win basketball games. I've called you to win souls. That's when the convergence of those three things came together. And I still struggle. I don't know how able I am. But, Father, if you've given me a desire and you've given me a little skill and you've opened the door, then I'm going to step out in that and do my best. Are you with me? Turn your name and say, know your gifts. You see, God wants you, number one, he wants you to know your gifts. Now, let me, before I move on to the second point, I want to tell you this. And we've made this tool available to you, and I think this is going to be a blessing to your life. But sometime today or this week, I want you to go to our website, healingplacechurch.org, and we have a spiritual gifts test. You can click on that banner and take just 10 minutes, take 15 minutes, and answer a few questions. And again, this is not a, a science Uh, This is just a a tool to help you discover maybe the way that you're wired. If you'll take a few moments, not now, not in service right now, but if you'll take it home and look at it later, this can give you some results and let you know, hmm, here are some things that are real dominant in your life. So after you take this spiritual gifts test, my next challenge to you is to get in that next steps class because this spiritual gifts, gifts test will show affinity and ability, but next steps will give you opportunity on how to walk in those gifts. Are you with me? All right, everybody say, know your gifts. 
God wants you to know your gifts. Number two, he wants you to grow your gifts. Come on now, come on. You see, if God will place a gift in you, then he's given you the responsibility to steward that gift. He wants you to do something with what he's given you. Now, I think about the story in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. How many ever heard that before? Matthew 25, the Bible says that the master of the house called his servants together. He called three servants. And the Bible says he gave them Uh, One translation says bags of silver. The the old translation, King James says talents, and according to their ability. There was a five-talent servant, a two-talent servant, and a one-talent servant. He gave them talents according to their capacity, and the Scripture says he went away on a long journey. And then after a long time, he came home, and he called those three servants to give an account of what he had given them. Let me tell you this. If God places a gift inside of you, you will be held accountable with what you do. With great opportunity comes massive responsibility. And so he calls these three servants, tell me, what did you do with what I gave you? Do you know, I believe that's the question that God will ask us when we stand before him. What did you do with my son? And what did you do with what I gave you? Time, talent, treasure, resource, opportunity, gifting. What did you do with what I gave you? Now, the five-talent servant said, as soon as you gave that to me, I immediately invested, and I've got five more talents. He went from five to ten. I want you to know that if you steward well what God has given you, you can grow your gifting. It may start small. Mike, I don't feel like I have much. Well, if you just be faithful with what little you have, God will turn what's little into much. He said, I had five talents. I invested. I got five more. You know what the master said? Well done, good and faithful servant. How many want to hear that on the day of judgment? I want to stand before God and hear him say, well done. Not, are you sure about that? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with what's little. I'm now going to make you ruler over much. The same with the two-talent servant. He said, I had two talents. I invested. Now I got four. And the master celebrated him. But that one-talent servant... I want you to hear what his response was when the master returned. The Bible says in Matthew 25, 24, Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. You know what the number one thing is that holds you back from growing your gifts? Fear. Listen, you're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to step out and try some things maybe that you've never tried before. You're going to have to trust God in some things that maybe you're not super familiar with. He said, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it. I buried it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servants. Somebody say, oh, me. Now, wait a second. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? Why was his judgment so severe on the man with one talent? It wasn't because he did something bad. It was because he did nothing at all. Some of you, you're not doing anything bad. You're just not doing anything with what God gave you. And so his his judgment was severe. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. And he said, take that one talent and take it from him and give it to the guy with ten. You see, if you're irresponsible, watch this. 
if you're unfaithful with what God has given you, why would God give you more to be unfaithful with? Are you with me? You see, God wants us to know our gifts, and he wants us to grow our gifts. So the guy who had one talent, he lost it. You know what that tells me? When God gives you a gift, use it or lose it. How many say, Mike, what little I have, I want to use it for him. It may not be much to anybody else, but if God's put this in my life, I want to surrender it to him, and I want to use it for his glory. If that's teaching, if that's singing, if that's leadership, if that's administration, if that's kindness, if that's encouragement, if that's exhorting, whatever that is, I want to use it for Jesus. If you'll give your gift and use it to him, then it's amazing how God will bless that and cause that thing to grow. You receive that today? Somebody say, know your gift. Say, grow your gifts. Let me finish. Say, flow in your gifts. I like, there's that word flow again. It's amazing how Pastor Terry told us to say that during worship, and he had no idea what I was going to talk about. I like that word flow because to me, that word flow says there's a supernatural anointing that God will put on you when you're faithful to use your gift. I'm going to ask the band to come up. That word anointing, and I hesitate to use that because I know sometimes that can be a churchy term. What does it mean, anoint, anoint, anoint? You read in the Bible and all throughout the Old Testament, you even see it in the New Testament, where, where they would take oil and they would anoint an individual. King David, before he became king, he was a shepherd boy. And Samuel came to the house of Jesse and Man, God told him to anoint a son from Jesse's house. You know, all the brothers passed by, and they looked like, man, man, surely he's the next king. Man, surely, man, the the ability, the talent, the skill. God said, nope, 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 nope. Here comes this little shepherd boy. And God told Samuel, that's the one. And so Samuel poured out that anointing oil on a young shepherd boy's head. Interesting to me how the anointing can turn shepherds into kings the anointing of God can take an ordinary person like you and like me and through the help of the Holy Spirit and the touch of God on what we do something supernatural comes out of that can I tell you there's not a day that goes by that I don't wake up and I'm reminded of my human limitations I'm telling you listen If it was on my resume to merit the responsibility of pastoring this great church, I don't have the qualifications. I don't. I never went to Bible college. Isn't that frightening? Does that just mess somebody up right now? I've never been to Bible school. I have people ask me theological questions all the time. Based on your studies, I'm like, "Uh, didn't have much. I got a degree in computer science. That's what I have. Can I tell you, I am so unskilled and unqualified to do this. And I'm not one of the great preachers of our day. People don't flock. Woo, Mike Heyman's coming to a city near you. (laughs) For real? Oh, okay. (laughs) 
I think it's funny in a way because, you know, I feel so unskilled and so unqualified. And honestly, I, I just, I don't have the charisma. I don't have the, the raw talent. I'm not a phenom. I'm not a prodigy. I'm not one of those latest, greatest. I'm not any of that. I'm a little boy from Fredericktown, Missouri. You've never heard of Fredericktown. You've never been to Fredericktown. You don't want to go to Fredericktown. For real, more cows than people. I promise you. I'm just a little country boy from the, the, the backwoods of southeast Missouri. And that I would be here in Baton Rouge. If you only knew about me what God knows about me, the fact that I'm standing on this stage talking to you is nothing short of supernatural. I'm telling you, it is only by God. Now, let me tell you this. and I'm not saying this in a self-serving way at all. But one thing I've learned about how all this gifting works, that when you know your gifts and you've, you've been faithful and committed to grow your gifts, God will place an anointing on you to flow in your gifts. And watch this. What you lack in ability, God makes up for in anointing. He does. You'll be doing something and you'll just sense Something bigger than me is happening in the room. You'll be at work and have a conversation with an individual, and God will give you wisdom, and it came out of your mouth, and you're so proud. You're listening to yourself thinking, where in the world did that come from? You know what that was? That was a word of wisdom. God will show you something about somebody, and you'll speak it into their life, and they'll be like, how'd you know that? And that was a word of knowledge. God gave you revelation about that. Or you've been praying about somebody, and God will give you a prophetic word. Now, prophecy edifies, it exhorts, and it encourages. We'll study about this next Sunday. But then it'll come over you, and God will anoint you. And watch this. It's not for you, but it's to help them be like Jesus. Right? That's how the gifts work. And you'll walk away from that, and you'll say, Lord, thank you for the anointing. You know why? And I say this every day, Lord, all I have is the anointing. That's all I got. I don't have education. I don't have pedigree. I don't come from a long line of preachers. I said I would never do this stuff. And yet God said, if you'll surrender to me, I'll anoint you. And I'll take ordinary people and do extraordinary things. Because it's not about you. It's about me through you. Come on, do you believe that today? Do you receive that today? Come on, do you long for that today? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.